What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. This week, we are back with episode 82, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 244 pay-per-view headlined by Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. This 12-fight card will take place from New York City this Saturday night, with the first fights taking place at 6.30 p.m. on UFC Fight Pass and ESPN+. Then the prelims will start on ESPN2 at 8 p.m., which will feature four fights. Then the main card starting at the typical pay-per-view time at 10 p.m. on ESPN+, Plus or the streaming service of your choice. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to introduce my guest at this time. He haven't had a guest on in a long time. He was on episode 28 way back in August of 2018 for the UFC 227 card. Here we are about 17 pay-per-views later, and my man Ozzy is back to join me. What's up, Ozzy? Hey, uh, so yeah, Ozzy P here, um, you know, glad to happy to be on glad that uh you were so gracious to i actually reached out uh you know to get on um was super excited about this card going to be uh actually attending it as it's in new york and i wanted to you know get my thoughts uh out there in audio and you know show the enthusiasm that i have for this card um share it with others yeah, it's awesome that you're going to the card. It'll, you know, kind of give us a unique feel to it. It's always special when you're going to that card, when you're analyzing the fights, and then you're going to see them uh, going down in person. I know that you'll be there for the first fight, and you really should be because top to bottom, this is a great card. You mentioned it earlier. It's something I kind of noticed but ne- never really fully realized until now is that, that there's not a single debuting fighter on the card. These are all fighters who have fought in the UFC multiple times before, and they are known to the fans. They are known to the best lines that we're gonna we got some great odds not too many heavy favorites in this card you know any any guy could win all these fights and with that being said we're going to start things off with the first fight of the evening which will take place in the featherweight division we have julio arce who is 16 and 3 taking on hakeem dawadu who is 10 1 and 1 the opening betting lines for this way were dawadu the minus 165 favorite to arce the plus 125 Dog. Right now, we are seeing over on five times. Dawadu minus 130, Arce plus 110. So, two way action coming in on this fight. A little more on Arce's way. So, Ozzy, what do you think about the more action coming in on Arce's way? Um, so I'm actually pretty familiar with Arce being a Northeast, uh, you know, resident and, you know, <clears throat> doing jujitsu and coming up fighting MMA before. <clears throat> I had a teammate who was actually in, in the uh, ring of combat bantamweight division uh when rc was super active there and you know he i studied him a little bit uh broke down some fights saw him uh in the kelleher fights and i agree with the early action given the holes in duadu's game or what we haven't seen uh so rc you know 19 fight veteran you you know he's proven that he can strike, he can grapple, and you like wrestle, and he can uh, go on the ground with anybody uh, at at the highest level. With Dewadu, you haven't really seen too much of his grappling, or you know him tested with a guy who has like a three D game like Arce has. He his toughest fight was probably that Kyle uh, Bochniak fight, and you know that ended up being a, a pretty tight fight. So I think. Uh, you know, the guy who has the more depth of skills overall in the broad sense is Arce, but Dewadu has some, you know, really clean kickboxing and, 
you know, I think has the athletic advantage over Arce, but I'm curious to see if Arce would be able to implement his plan. I feel Duaru is a lot like um, the Peter Pettis or Pettis. I don't know how to how to pronounce his uh, name too well. It, not that he's that much like him, but the style is something that Arce has seen in the past. So I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to to crack the code and give Duaru his uh, his second loss uh, of his career. Yeah, interesting point you mentioned about him being a New York guy. A lot of Tiger Showman's guys on these cards, you're probably familiar with a lot of them. And I agree that it seems like Arce has the more tools of the two. I think that this fight will mostly be a kickboxing match where I think Duwada will have a bit of a power advantage, although it'll be really competitive because both are really gifted kickboxers. It's going to be some really good exchanges on the feet between the two of them. Uh, but I think Arce has the potential to maybe mix in his grappling of some sort. He has really creative uh, back takes uh, from all different angles. You know, he hit one off of the cage uh, versus Shaman Marais when he was pretty hurt in that fight. So he, he's got a lot of fight in him. He looked pretty good in his last fight versus Arosa, getting that head kick knockout. And Dewadi looked great in his last fight, getting that head kick knockout over Hori. Both looked really good. But uh, the one thing, Dewadi struggled a bit early in that fight. He got dropped by Hori a little bit in the first two rounds. Uh, I think just the first round. I think he took over from then on out and really started pouring it on uh, Hori, just really beating the shit out of him in round three, honestly. It seemed like he threw about 50 strikes and like 48 of them landed. It was just a, a really prolonged beatdown. Um, so hopefully that doesn't happen here. I think this one will likely go to the distance. And I think that Duwadu will probably land the harder, cleaner strikes on the feet in this one. And I think that Arce might be a little undersized. And I don't think he'll get this fight to the floor. Um, maybe that possible back take will come in and sway this fight Arce's way. And he'll be able to swing the rounds with his grappling. But in a pure striking match, I think I got to go with the uh, the more technical and powerful guy. And that's Duwadu. So I'm going to go with uh, Duwadu as a 29-28 decision as my official pick. Uh, I'm going to come the other way. I, I'm going to pick Arce here in this situation. I think uh, he'll, he's going to be able to, you know, get into clinch clinch battles with Duwadu and and, and, do, and get and get him to the ground often enough to, you know, maybe find a finish later in the fight. But I think he'll he's going to do enough to to win it on the judges' scorecards. But uh, definitely a, a fight that uh, is is a good start, good opener uh, for this card. I think it'll be action packed. Yeah, it would not be mad at all to see uh, Arce pull off the win. I think I like his overall game a little bit more than Duwadu's. And, uh, I mean, for a first fight, that's that's really as good as it's going to get in the UFC. So uh, moving on to the second fight of the evening in the welterweight division, we have Lyman Good, who is 20-5, taking on Chance Rencounter, who is 14-3. The opening betting line for this one was Good, the minus-120 favorite. Rencounter, the minus-120 favorite of Pick'em. And right now, the line is Good, minus-120. Rencounter, plus-100. So the early action actually came in on Good's way. He was around a minus-145, 150 favorite at the steepest he was. Now that action is coming back on Rencounter. And we mentioned this fight a little bit earlier off the air, so I will swing this over to Ozzy. So what's your... Uh, take on this fight um i think i think that uh we're getting pretty good odds here on on good actually um i know that the narrative is that he you know he can't defend a shot he's you know a bad grappler he gets taken down but if you look at the guys that you know i and i think the thing that stands out the most in people's heads is when uh he was on the ultimate fighter you know a lot of people thought hey you know good's on the ultimate fighter he's coming from bellator or i think i think he had already finished his bellator stint and he's going to you know dominate run through everybody he gets taken out in 
in the fight to get into the house um, by a wrestler. I, I, I forget his name, a guy that I thought was going to be good, but nothing ever came of, came of it. And he just kept getting taken down and got grinded to bits. Uh, but if you look, you know, he's coming off a, a loss to Damian Maya. Chance Rencounter is not Damian Maya. I don't, you know, if, if you look back at uh, his his last fight against Nar, Nar, Nardiev, I believe is uh, how you pronounce his name. Nardiev was lighting him up on the feet. And, you know, Chance, even the, on the takedowns that he was getting or when he was locking the body on him, it was, you know, incredibly difficult for him. I, I think he was really fortunate a few times to get um, to get that fight to the ground. And Narvaya, Nar, Nardiev, he just got, it was his USC debut. I think he 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 shot his load. He's he blew his wad, and he wasn't able to uh, to put up a you know enough defense. And in that other fight that uh, Rencounter had, he had Kyle Stewart. Who Kyle Stewart's not a UFC level guy. He's out. He's never going to fight again in the UFC. I think Good can you know counteract the uh, the physical that Rencounter often has in a lot of his fights, that advantage that he has. And I think he can bust them up on the feet, uh, you know, hitting them to the body, to the head, uh, defend enough takedowns and and end up, I think he's going to stop Rencounter. Um, would I be surprised if, you know, good tired out and Rencounter was able to get on top often enough? No, but I, at minus 125, I did put a bet in on good. I think Rencounter is just too too green on the feet. Uh, I saw an interview of him that he was saying that he wanted to test his striking with good because he thinks that he's as good, no pun intended, uh, as a lot of guys, you know, in the UFC in the top 15. I think he's in for rude awakening. I think good is, you know, training. He's training with a good camp. He's going to come ready. And, you know, he it's a hometown fight for him. He, he's an instructor there, right down there, uh, maybe 10 blocks away from where the, uh, from MSG. And I think he'll, he's going to pick up a win here. But what, what what are your thoughts? I, I think you, you're on the other side here. Yeah, I'm actually going to pick a chance in this fight. I think I'm a little more impressed with his wrestling than you were because uh, Nardiev came into the UFC on short notice versus Prezeris and showed, like, incredible takedown defense. I mean, Prezeris was a 4-1 to one favorite in that fight. He was on a seven-fight winning streak, and Nardiev showed really great defensive grappling, really great get-ups, ability to get off his back, stay off his back, and... I was super impressed with him in that fight. He won that fight. And then coming into the Rencounter fight, he's another minus. He flipped. He is the minus 500 favorite now. And then Rencounter put on a crazy performance versus him. He got uh, some uh, early takedowns. He did land some hard strikes on the feet, like you said. The first two minutes, Nardiev was re really taking it to him, landing some good strikes. But, you know, Rencounter showed that he can take a shot in that, in that period, uh, I think. I think and he persevered through that. He ended up getting the takedown. He held Nardiev down that entire rest of the round might have stolen the round back but you probably gave that round to Nardiev because uh, the damage but there was a back take I think involved in that round too so a really close round and then uh, Rencounter takes him down round two holds him down the entire time and this was a guy who I was raving about his get-ups and he couldn't get off his back the entire round round three Nardiev is still making bad choices throwing flying knees kicks getting taken down and gets dominated really the whole fight um so, I mean, I was really just blown out of the water by that performance. Uh, even, I think Nardiev still had some gas in him at the end of the fight. I mean, he ended the fight with a takedown, and he was really just shut down uh, skill for skill, I think. And, I mean, Good is a great fighter. I think that you were uh, saying that there's like a narrative that he can he's uh, a poor defensive grappler. I think that uh, I would disagree that he's a poor defensive grappler. I mean, you, like you said, getting tapped out by Damian Maya is no, um, no skin off your back, but that – 
he just didn't show good things in that fight, in my opinion. I mean, he got backed up to the cage right away versus Maya. The first 15 seconds, he got single-legged. He was really uh, aggressive trying to get backed up to his feet. He wasn't using good technique. He kind of panicked on bottom. He got his back to taken, and he didn't – I mean, I guess he hung in there for a little bit before getting choked out. But, I mean, he just – you know what you can't do against Maya, and he did what you were exactly weren't supposed to do, back up to the cage. And he did not do the right things defensive grappling-wise. And I think that Ray Counter could put him in some bad spots on the ground. I think that he will land the takedowns. He could probably land takedowns in all three rounds. I don't think he'll submit good. Uh, not the same submission ability of – uh, Maya and, and, you know, when it, tapping out uh, Kyle Stewart with the ring to choke, like you said, is it, nothing to really brag about. So I think the rank counter just uh, grinds this fight out from top position. I think that a lot of people are pointing to the Bilal Muhammad loss from rank counter, but he took that fight on very short notice, I think 10 days short notice, and uh, did not have a good performance in that fight, did not show uh, uh, good striking skills. Uh, I, I do agree with you that good would be the better striker at range. If the fight stays at range and good's able to uh, get takedowns, I probably do think he stops him like you said but i just don't think he will stay stop those takedowns uh you know ju uh, junior college national champion as we were mentioning before chance rank counter's got really high uh, grappling accolades and i think he's going to show him off here and i think he's actually going to win 30 27 so uh that that'll be my pick for this one yeah i i think i mix up the order of what the uh of nardiev's uh ufc fight so yeah he had the preseris fight the thing is though that the preseris and ren counter like both of them want to grapple with you and take you down and all that but it's just so different like the difference is so vast uh at when you're talking about grappling on how you defend or what which style works against the guy and which style doesn't um i feel like you know, Chance, he's a real opportunistic grappler. Like, you know, there were a few positions where Nardiev would go for like, you know, a, a big reversal or a big move and Ren Counter would, you know, just kind of snake his way up and, and finish takedowns. I think against Good, he's not going to be able to get those authoritative, uh, you know, sticks to the mat that, you know, that he's going to need to keep Good on the ground. And I think that Good just going to be able to scramble out. But, uh, you know, I think it's a back and forth fight. Obviously, the odds are tight there and it's one where i could see either guy winning um but good good is my pick and i do i did bet him uh at minus 125. nice yeah so me coming in the other way i got two units uh, on uh rank counter around like plus 108 and i think now he's actually coming down to even money so it looks like i got in at the, the right time but maybe the price is getting even better for you you might have more um, with that being said, we're going to move on uh, to the next fight, which will be in the women's bantamweight division. We or women's flyweight division, excuse me. We have Kaylin Chukagian, who is twelve and two, taking on Jennifer Maya, who is seventeen five and one. The opening betting line for this fight was Chukagian minus one forty, Maya plus one hundred. Right now, we are seeing Chukagian minus one fifty five, Maya plus one thirty five. So a little more action coming in Chuk's way. Another hometown New York fighter. Uh, what are you thinking about this matchup, Ozzy? So these are two girls that both, um, you know, have picked up consistently picked up wins in the UFC and have consistently shown that they're, you know, two of the better female fighters. Uh, I like Chukagian in this spot. Um, Based on the fact, just you know what you're going to get with Chukagian, a lot of, you know, a lot of grunts, a lot of straight punches, a lot of, you know, kicks uh, to all levels. But I think she's a fighter that only loses 
to girls that can aggressively uh, cut her off or aggressively attack her. And Jennifer Maya, you know, her two wins in the UFC are against two of the least fleet of foot fighters I think we'll ever see Gracie Octagon and Alexis Davis and uh, Roxanne Modafferi. Um, I think she's in for a you know, pretty big shock at how much faster Chukagian is going to be than both those two ladies and her as well. Um, with Chukagian, though, you know, it's tough to trust her because she doesn't, you know, really have much fi finishing ability, always goes to decision, and doesn't really throw a lot, of, a lot of heat on her shots. But I think she's the more cerebral fighter. I think she's the fighter that is able to dictate how a fight, like the tempo and the momentum of a fight. And I feel like she's going to outsmart uh, Maya there on, uh, in this fight. You know, maybe you know, what I would like to see, love to see from Chukagian is her use her grappling offensively more. Uh, I don't think she, she doesn't go for enough takedowns. I'd be curious if uh, you could tell me if she's ever attempted uh takedown or, you know, if she, what's her average per fight, but if she could use that, you know, she trains with Henzo Gra at the Henzo Gracie Academy, a lot of, you know, Dan, her guys, I think her fiance or boyfriend is, uh you know, like a former Olympic level of uh, uh, wrestler like he was on the olympic or the world uh scene for for the united states and you know she doesn't use the wrestling enough uh, i think she's going to be able to pot shot uh, maya enough uh you know maybe bust her up with some kicks and i'll uh, be able to take this on the judge's scorecard can never be too sure but maybe you know a 29 28 decision for trukagan is what she's used to what we're all used to and what i think is uh going to be coming on uh saturday So I think Chukagan has actually shot for some takedowns before. Uh, she did it versus Irene Aldana, but she went 0 for 11 in that fight, and uh, which is something I really did not expect. And uh, But we're in complete agreement in this uh, one about uh, Chukagan just being the better striker, the better overall mixed martial artist. This one should go to the decision. It should be a Chukagan uh, scorecard. Even though she does tend to make her fights a, a little closer than they have to be, I would like to see her up the output. I would like to see her uh, sit down on her shots a little bit more. Uh, like you were saying, she I think she'll have a pretty massive striking advantage in this one. Uh, as you mentioned, Maya's past – she did look good in her past few wins. She did look like she was improving. Her boxing seemed to be getting a little bit better. But versus Alexis Davis and Roxanne Modafari, no disrespect to those uh, women, but, uh, you know – not the same level of fighter that Chukagian is. Uh, Mima Chukagian is actually being some of the probably the you know B tier level uh, flyweights. Uh, you know some of the best flyweights that the UFC has to offer, uh, other than Shevchenko. So. Uh, yeah, we're. I think we're in agreement here. I don't think we'll see any offensive wrestling. I think Maya may actually be the one shooting, but I, I think she, she will be unsuccessful. I think the fight stays standing. Chukagian uses her patent. Uh, uh, range finders like her jab her um tennis sounds and her uh, her kicks to uh you know her her sidekicks turning sidekicks uh i don't even know what i'm rambling on about right now but chukagian by, by decision is the pick uh we're in agreement with this one and for for those you know now chukagian i think she opened i think you mentioned like kind of close to it was like even or minus 120 or so at minus 155 or you know, minus 160 where it's kind of trending now that's you know a good amount to lay i would probably look at just trying to bet the uh chukai game by decision which you can get now at minus 120 i don't really see her finishing here but uh if i was to pick if i was to bet a fight uh, the bet the fight that's where i would go D please do not bet the over 
you know, people love parlaying the female overs. It's just not a good idea. It's at minus 570 now. Don't do that. Um, crazy things can happen. But, uh, but yeah, that's, those are my thoughts on the fight. It's probably the fight that I'm least excited about. But, you know, uh, maybe maybe that, that I'll go to the bathroom for that one. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the value is pretty good on, on Chukagan as well. I think she probably wins this fight more like seven times out of ten, uh, more, more compared to sixes where minus 155 kind of implicates. So, yeah, it's a pretty good value bet for Chukagan. Um, and, yeah, the, the over is always uh, usually safe, but like you said, not at that kind of chalk. So uh, with that being said, we'll move on to the next fight. In the heavyweight division, we got Andre Arlovsky, who is 28 and 18, taking on uh, Jairizo Rosenstruik, who is 8-0. The opening betting line for this one was Rosenstruik, the favorite at minus 172. Arlovsky, the plus 130 underdog. Right now we are seeing Rosenstruik minus 155 to Arlovsky plus 135. So two-way action coming in on this fight. Uh, the line's kind of staying just about the same of where it opened up at. Um, what are you thinking about this fight, Ozzy? So I'm unapologetically uh, a sucker to bet on Andre Arlovsky in his fights. Like, you know, he's always, I think he's been the underdog in God knows how many fights in a row. Um, I remember the Sakai fight, his last fight where it was with decision. I think I bet on him there, uh, hit him when he was uh, going against Ben Rothwell. In this fight though, you know, I, I just don't see how I could back Rosenstruck. Um, you know, seeing I've met our Andre Arlovsky in person, I just can't see myself backing a guy who is, you know, eight and on the UFC. I think he's gone to one decision in, in his career. And the only other fight where he went out, where he went outside of the first round was that junior Albini fight. And, you know, Albini got him to the ground in the first round. Um, and I think was just a little too passive uh, on a few occasions. Andre Arlovsky is a bona fide killer. Um, he could be in a John Wick movie. He, he he's a he's the kind of guy that you want money on. I feel you know he he's he's a little chinny for sure. Um, and that could I think that's the only thing that bites him here potentially if Rosenstruck could connect. But Arlovsky hasn't been knocked out in a few years. Last person to knock him out was uh, was. Um, you know, in the I, I don't remember the Walt Harris fight. Steve I think he might, did, but did he get knocked down in that Walt Harris fight? No, no, was, that was a decision. It, I think he got knocked out three times in a row by Stipe, Ngannou, and Overeem. Yeah, so he last got knocked out by by uh, by Francis. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. This guy might look like Francis, but he's not Francis. I can't. As funny as that sounds, uh, I just can't back Rosenstruck in this position. I have, like, I think all the values on Arlovsky. I was wondering if maybe you know the line would climb up a little bit more, but I'm definitely going to be putting down, you know, something on on Arlovsky here. I just can't can't see how I would not. Uh, what do you, what do you, how do you feel about this? Uh, like, are you are you on the Rosenstruck train or? Do you uh you like Arlovsky here? So I'm a, I'm agreeing with everything you say again. Uh, the Arlovsky train is at the station, and I'm hopping on board, um, putting two units on him at plus one thirty five. I really like him in this fight. Everything you said was on point about Rosenstruck. I mean, he seems like uh, a pretty a pretty decent fighter. Uh, besides the fact that his ground game is really weak, I think that he could probably beat a bunch of heavyweights. But uh, Arlovsky is not one of them. Arlovsky is a really bad matchup for him. Uh, I think Arlovsky mentioned something about. Uh, Rosenstruck greasing in one of his Japan fights. So 
that could indicate that he's looking to uh, take this fight to the floor because I think that even though Arlovsky hasn't done that in forever, I mean, the last time he shot an off- offensive takedown was probably like years ago. Maybe he can catch a kick from time to time and get a takedown, but he's he's been grappling for 25 years and Rosenstruvik is a legitimate white belt off of his back. I mean, he was able to get up from Albini's positions, but Albini had him in some bad spots. And I think if Arlowski, it puts him on his back. He will probably just submit him with a Kimura or something really basic. But I think this fight actually will stay on the feet where Arlowski will be pretty content to just outbox Rosenstruvik. I mean, Rosenstruvik's kind of a low output power striker and he, was able to land that those knockout shots on Albini after Albini gassed out trying to wrestle. And he was able to knock out Alan Crowder early and he was able to beat some competition outside of the UFC. But he really has not shown anything in his MMA career that makes me believe that he should be a favorite over Andre Arlovsky. I think that Arlovsky should not only be the favorite in this fight, I think that when the fight is all said and done, he will look like the minus two, minus 300 favorite in this one. So really favoring Arlovsky in this one. Uh, I think that uh, he probably gets it done by decision. I mean, his, I think his past eight or so fights have gone to the, to the decision. I tweeted this out earlier too. Arlovsky has been the underdog in 16 of his past 17 fights. And if you bet one unit on them every single time, you'd be up three units right now. So uh, until that three units runs out, just keep betting Arlovsky as that underdog. It's a, a winning formula so far, and uh, Arlovsky by decision is the pick. So I full agreement. I mean, I, I'm looking at also Arlovsky inside the distance is uh, almost plus 500. If he can start tiring out Rosenstruck, like there's there's no way Rosenstruck has three rounds of cardio. I just I, I don't see it. If, if in a fight with Andre Arlovsky, um, I think Arlovsky could wear him out and potentially finish him. But at plus 135, you just want to bet it straight. I think there's you know plenty of value there. Fade those uh you know long KO uh hype beasts. So we'll we'll get into another one later on in the card. But uh love love doing that when they face their first guy who's a, a really competent high level guy, which Andre Arlovsky has proven to always be and don't see that changing. Yeah, I forgot to even really mention the the Rothwell fight. I mean, Andre Arlovsky looked better than he has in years in that that Ben Rothwell fight. I mean, he threw more volume than ever. He was busting uh, Rothwell up. I'm pretty sure he won the fight 30-27. It was a miracle that Rothwell made it to the decision in that one. And I agree that plus R50 is really good value because I think he could knock him out on the feet uh, from like a prolonged uh, striking attack, maybe a TKO in the later rounds, or he could possibly get that submission like I was talking about earlier. So yeah, good tip about the uh, Arlovsky inside the distance. I'll definitely have to add a little bit to that. Uh, but with that being said, moving on to the next fight in the middleweight division, we have Brad Savaris, who is 17-5, and five, taking on Edmund Shabazian, who is undefeated at 10-0. The opening betting line for this one was Shabazian as the favorite at minus 245 to Tavares, the plus 175 underdog. Right now, line margins have tightened up. We are now seeing Shabazian minus 150, Tavares, the plus 130 underdog. So what are you thinking about this match, Abazi? It's an interesting fight, man. This is one of the fights that I'm, I'm really interested to see. Shabazian, I, was a, I wasn't too much of a believer um, when he first came out and, you know, obviously we saw his brother uh, lose on uh, Dana White Contender Series. But when he, you know, th- 
when he smoked the, the his last two fights, when I mean, he just smoked Bird and smoked Marshman. And now, given those guys aren't you know UFC staples, but they're solid fighters. Um, we seen we saw that Darren Stewart fight, which is what I wanted to see from Shabazian. You know, a fight where it wasn't always going his way. Like, does he crack? Um, I think he's he's honestly something special. He he has a, a lot of a lot of skill in a lot of areas, and he's just super dynamic. Like he, he in transitions. He's just funny when he's against the fence. He's you know looking for for strikes. He's looking for for takedowns. Um, and you know Tavares, he's he hasn't been active, very active. Uh, his last you know his last fight, obviously he lost to champion Adesanya, but just looked real plodding, slow. Like you know sometimes you see a guy when he's morphing into a journeyman or or, or like a, a gatekeeper. Um, and I think this is kind of the transition phase in Tavares' career. Obviously, he could, he can very well um, prove me wrong. His last two losses are to Adesanya, the current champ, Whitaker, the former champ. So um, Shabazian has his work cut out for him for sure here. But I think he's shown me enough that that I think that he's going to be able to um, get you know Tavares into some grappling exchanges and exploit the weaknesses that I think Tavares has always maintained in his career, where he's, you know, he's competent on the ground, but he's susceptible to the big move. He's susceptible to, you know, giving up a submission, giving up a, a, a big, uh, a big positional, like a big positional change. And I think Shabazian is going to be all over him. Uh, and, and that at a certain point, overwhelm him or, or put him in positions where um, it makes it very clear that the rounds are Shabazian's. Uh, I think this fight, you know, I think Shabazian actually gets a finish here. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's a toss up because Tavares is a guy who's incredibly hard to finish. Uh, but I'm, you know, going out on a limb there a little bit, uh, picking Shabazian to win by finish. But I just think his tools are super sharp. He, he has a good game plan when he goes in there and he's able to adjust on the fly. And that's what I like seeing in a young fighter. And I, I kind of treat this almost as I'm investing in a stock of a fighter. And I think Shabazian has a high ceiling and I think it's in something that's going to come to fruition. So I'm backing him right now. Obviously, you could have got a great price on him a little earlier in the week or kind of when the, the lines first came out. But uh, I, I, I think he gets it done here. Uh, I don't know. How, how do you feel, though? Do you do you share the same uh, height and, you know, same opinion of Shabazian or, or are you a little skeptical still? Uh, I'm impressed by him. Uh, I think I would say that I don't think he's still totally proven himself. Uh, because he is facing a huge step up in competition here. It's going to be a really big test for him. And one point you mentioned, you said you could get a better price on Shabazi and earlier in the week. Uh, oh, that's right. Well, he was like minus one, 120, right, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, 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 his line was like it was ping ponging because I think there was a lot of Tavares money at the you know Tavares was like plus one seventy five, plus one eighty, and I think some people really really banged that on uh, multiple books. So yeah. Yeah, and then some late action came back on uh, Shabazian as of the past few days. Yeah, uh, so I think Shabazian has shown a, a vast array of skills, but uh, he has two quick finishes, uh, well, including his Tuesday Night Contender Series fight. Three quick finishes over Marshman Bird and whoever the guy he fought on the Contender Series was. I just don't think he really showed that much in those wins. I mean, he shows that he's an incredible athlete. He has a lot of power. He comes out super aggressive in the first couple minutes. And I, I think that that's his best win condition in this fight. I think that if he comes out and blitzes Tavares, I can see him landing a couple good strikes and then Tavares uh, maybe shelling up and not having an answer 
answer for it. But if Shabazian chooses to offensive wrestle like he did versus uh, Darren Stewart, I think that he won't have much success. And I was really impressed with uh, Tavares' defensive grappling, his takedown defense, his get-ups, uh, his balance. Everything was really, really good. Uh, the Jocko fight, he was able to stuff all the takedowns of Jocko, neutralize him in the clinic, start outstriking Jocko. And it, I mean, Jocko just looked terrible in that fight. I mean, it could have been Jocko, it could have been Tavares just shutting down his game and then Tavares getting the late finish in that one. And, and then the Elias Theodore fight, you know, not the highest level wrestler, uh, but Elias was shooting some good shots in that fight and uh, Tavares had great takedown defense the entire fight. I mean, the fight ended. Yeah, with him defending a takedown and he looked, you know, fresh as a daisy. He looked like he keep going, which is weird because you mentioned he looked flat and bad overall versus uh, Israel Adesanya. Could have been Israel Adesanya shutting him down, the future champion, just having a, a big mismatch skill-wise. Uh, I also heard some some rumors that Tavares like a broken foot or something like that going into that fight, and it really would explain it because I think that was one of his worst performances ever. So I can see Shabazian getting an early finish in this one if he really comes out aggressive and looks to swarm uh, Tavares on the feet. But if he starts shooting takedowns, I think it's actually going to go the other way for him. And I think the longer this fight goes, the more it will uh, favor the the more experienced guy and the more technical guy in Tavares. But uh, short term, I think Shabazian has the uh, athleticism, the aggression, and the power to to get an early finish in this one. So it's really tough, tough fight to call. I don't think I would be laying uh, any chalk at minus 150 where the fight is. I get if you came in on, on Shabazian at minus 130, minus 120, I, I – can see that being a good price but i think that the plus money on tavares right now is is looking pretty good i think that i like his chances at uh stuff and takedowns avoiding that early storm and uh probably losing round one and then coming back and winning rounds two and three to get the 29 uh, 28 decision for tavares yeah for uh for those guys at home uh you know live betting and stuff so you know just a something to note Tavares Hawaiian tough as nails. If you see, you know, him survive like a, a first round flurry or uh, maybe be super defensive, whereas Shabazzian's really laying autumn, but you know, something that's still a 10-9 round, you know, look for for Tavares at plus money at like plus two hundred, plus two fifty. Um, you know, maybe catching Shabazzian, you know, as he tires uh later on to the fight. Cause that's that's the way I see it playing out if Tavares were to win. I, I see him losing the first round and then, you know, uh gassing or, or, or weathering weathering the storm and you know allowing Shabazzian to come down and and then taking over the fight late yeah I like that opinion a lot and I mean you probably will get a better price on Tavares uh, after round one if he survives so maybe the better I don't think I bet Tavares money line yet and I think that that's a really good point and hopefully I'll remember what you just said for the past two days sometimes when the, the fight gets close you forget what you've been saying all week and you force the bet anyway but hopefully I'll uh, hold off on uh, Tavares because I think he, he likely does lose round one or lose the fight in round one completely so very good point about that one uh, so we'll move on to the next fight which is in in the featherweight division, we got Shane Burgos, who is 12 and 1, taking on Makwan Amirakami, who is 15 and 3. The opening betting line for this one was Burgos, the favorite, at minus 185 to Amirakami at plus 145. Right now, the more action coming in on the favorite Burgos, pushing him down to minus 245. Makwan Amirakami is now sitting at plus 205 as the underdog. So, uh, what are you thinking about? even more action coming in as the on the pretty heavy favorite Burgos in this one. 
Oh man, I I really like Burgos in this matchup. I I bet him. Um, I was able to get him on Bet Online at minus one seventy. Uh, I bet that for to win two units, so three point four units. Um, and I think that's obviously an amazing price considering where the line moved. Um, I was able. I was going to be able to get minus one fifty five, but missed that one. Um, but you know, getting more into the fight. Very familiar with Burgos. He and I actually. Um, in an old school grapples quest, maybe when I was 19, 18, and he was maybe 20, 21, he was starting up his MMA career. We uh, we met up in the semifinals of a Nogi uh, Nogi tournament match and uh, went into overtime. I think he he got like, the ref's decision after overtime had finished, but definitely close, fun fight. I, I think I might have it, but um, Burgos has been training MMA his whole life. Uh, he's a guy who I think is more versed than people think he is you know a lot of people think that he's just kind of like a wild boxer or, or a guy who who's strictly stand up but uh you know even though he's had i think you know a few reactions that people have called into question you know on the takedown and in the wrestling i just don't really see maquin americani being the guy uh to overwhelm him on the ground or get him in those positions uh maquin you know he had he had his most recent fight with chris fishgold and i did bet him and i did really like him there because i didn't think fishgold was going to be able to uh to out grapple him but he had a lot a real hard time in the first round against fishgold and i think uh burgos is a fighter that if you know you don't get to him early he has amazing cardio he has incredible attributes for the, for the division you know he's fast he has long arms he has a real lanky frame you know you could tell he's strong uh and you know i, I really don't see the tools that mac one is going to be able to implement or, or, or you know traditionally uses how it's going to be enough uh against burgos he's going to have to you know hope for you know take down scramble back take where either he can finish Burgos, I feel, or, or keep him on the ground there. But on the feet, I I really think Burgos is an outclass him. He he throws those strikes from all you know incredible, incredibly you know diverse set of angles, and you know he's able to to tactically pick apart his opponents. He 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 goes to the body amazingly, um, and I think it's it's something that Macwin has not um, encountered in his career. And it's you know I, I think I I see him as a guy who you know he's he's really good as a hammer, but when he's a nail, you know he starts to to become a little timid. I, I saw Arnold Allen uh, really you know take it to him, which was a split decision, which I really disagreed with. I thought Arnold Allen blew him out there. Um, but, I, but, you know, Allen started just beating him in some of those grappling exchanges where he just wanted it more late in those fights. Uh, same thing with Jason Knight, who's, you know, a bare knuckle fighting superstar now. You know, Macklin went to a split decision with Jason Knight. Shane Burgos would, you know, wipe Jason Knight off this planet. And, you know, Macklin had a real, real hard time with him there. And, Jason Knight, who's traditionally a guy who's easy to put on the ground, you know, he'll, he'll go kicking and screaming, but he's pretty easy to go on the ground. Burgos, too much on the feet, too much on the ground, you know, too much in the, in the wrestling and the, and the attribute uh, realm as well. I think he, he, uh, you know, is able to win this fight pretty comfortably. And, you know, I, I bet him obviously at minus 170. I think there's some value to in his uh, his KO line, which is at three to one. And uh, I think he has his way of Macklin Americani here, and he finishes him at uh, some point. Yeah, I really agree with almost everything you said. I think maybe the inside of the distance could be a little bit safer because even though uh, he's mostly going to be a knockout threat, I could see like a club and sub or a situation like what, what happened. Uh, 
I guess it's more unlikely with Hollabach where he just snatches a, a crazy submission out of nowhere because he is very versatile. As you mentioned, he has a lot of layers to his game. He's actually probably one of the most well-rounded guys coming out of Tiger Shulman. And on the feet, I think that he's going to blow Americani out of the water. Uh, that was a great point about the fight that he had with uh, Jason Knight. He, he struggled in that fight. He got dropped a couple times by Jason Knight, who, I mean, he's a decent puncher as we're seeing a, a, and the bare knuckle superstar fights selling out arenas in Florida. Uh, he, he's Jason Knight does have some decent boxing, but uh, Amir Khani should have been able to deal with him on the feet. And, and he wasn't because Amir Khani's defense on the feet is just not very good. I mean, even versus fish gold, it, it was pretty sloppy. And I did bet, uh, Amir Khani in that fight, uh, I think by submission as well, because I really thought that he's the better grappler. And I think Amir Khani is like a European wrestling champion or something like that, like a Finnish champion. I'm sure the level of competition isn't that high, but he does come from a wrestling background. He does have some pretty good scrambles in them, and he does have the cardio to grapple for 15 minutes. And Burgos is really gifted on the feet. I'd say his least, uh, I mean, his area with the, the most weaknesses would probably be the ground, although he does have really good state on defense. I mean, I think he's I think he's been taken down twice in the UFC, and he's stuffed 34 takedowns. So he's got incredible takedown defense. Uh, he's stuffed more than 10, 10 takedowns in multiple. I mean, Charles Rosa, he stuffed uh, seven takedowns or six takedowns. He stuffed 12 versus Pepe. He stuffed um, – uh, 12 versus Trattoria. So he, he has the uh, takedown defense and the defensive uh, grappling, the cardio, two stuff takedowns all fight long if he needs to. And I think that that's what he does here. But uh, I agree with you. I think that he's going to stuff these takedowns and they're going to be on the feet. And Burgos is going to be butchering him on the feet. I think he eventually lands some hard punches and eventually uh, drops Amir Khani at some point. I, I see the knockout more likely than the sub, although I think the inside the distance line would be pretty safe just in case some crazy uh, sub happens because uh, Burgos does have some slick jiu-jitsu. Uh, so the pick is going to be Burgos. I think he gets it done by knockout. Uh, let's go with in the second round. And uh, no bets on him so far, but might end up on the inside the distance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think just Burgos. This is Burgos' fight to lose. He, he's a, he's originally from the Bronx. Uh, same same here. So Bronx represent. But uh, he he's gonna win this fight. Like I I just really really don't see in his, in his career arc. Like this is a guy who was undefeated as an amateur. Lost that fight to uh to Cater, which was uh, one of my favorite fights ever uh to watch honestly. And you know Cater, obviously you see he, he he's only lost to uh, I think. Uh, Moicano since so it's it's this is a Burgos fight. Uh, I I see Mac when not he, I don't think he's really that much, that serious of a fighter. Um, I think he likes to run around with the girls and you know you you know use the fame and stuff. I think Burgos is is a future title contender or top five guy if he ever figures out how to implement a little more defense there. So uh, you know Burgos for both of us. So we we could go to uh, the next fight that I'm very very uh. uh in anticipation for yeah i mean as as far as prelim fights this is as good as it gets and you can tell a pay-per-view is good when the last fight on the prelims is a banger because that means they had so many stacked fights on the main card that they had to put one of the crazy good they fights to do on with the them. they didn't know what to do with them <laughs> yeah, they're overflowing so with that being said we got in the light heavyweight division Corey anderson who was 12 and 4 taking on johnny walker who is 17 and 3 the opening betting line for this one was 
Walker, the minus 195 favorite, to Anderson at plus 155. Right now, we are seeing the more action come in on the underdog. Right now, we are seeing Walker minus 150, Anderson plus 130. So, Ozzy, I got to know what you're thinking about this matchup. Oh, no, I want you to go first on this one. All right, all right. I hear you yet. <laughs> so, early, early on in the week, I was thinking that Prevailing wisdom says that Corey Anderson will uh, use his huge wrestling advantage, use his likely cardio advantage, grind this fight out, get the takedowns. He's got the most takedowns in light heavyweight history, and he should win this fight with his grappling advantage. And you can change a few things about that last uh, quote, but you can insert uh, Serkinov's name into that and rewind six months ago, and I was saying the same shit about Serkinov. I thought Serkinov was going to use his grappling advantage, get him down, sub him. It was going to be a nice uh, win for the, the veteran, and he eats a flying knee to the dome 30 seconds in, and that's a wrap. And Johnny Walker's career has been pretty weird in the UFC so far. I mean, his three UFC fights lasted a total of four or five minutes, I think. He's gotten two sub-30-second KOs over Ledet and Serkinov. This, the Ledet one was a complete spinny meme knockout. I mean, that thing was no MMA knockout. It was just some uh, – who knows what that was. But the, the flying knee was terrific. I mean, he timed it. He fainted. He he timed Serkinov, and he placed the knee super accurately. And I think that the really to discover what what Johnny Walker's about, you got to go back to his fight on the Tuesday Night Contender Series versus Luis Henrique. And Henrique is not the, the greatest level fighter, uh, highest level fighter by any means, but he tested him in that fight. He attempted a lot of takedowns, and he, he pushed Walker, and, he, and, and Walker showed that he has the ability to stuff takedowns. He has the ability to fight past uh, the two, three-minute mark. He has knockout ability in all the rounds. He's still throwing flying knees. And in his cardio in round three, I mean, he picked Luis Henrique up and ran him across the octagon like Matt Hughes did to Frank Trigg a, a decade ago. In the third round, I mean, he had a lot of cardio in that fight, and it answered a lot of questions for me. I forgot all about this fight. So while I was leaning Anderson a little bit earlier in the week, I was impressed with his last fight versus Latifi. He looked very improved in that fight. I mean, he got caught with some big shots early. He lost round one, but he, he I think he showed a little bit of an improved ability to take a shot. He ate some punches from Latifi and kept fighting. He kind of sprawled and brawled that entire fight, just stuffed all Latifi's shots, and uh, he's more uh, prone to offensive wrestling like guys like uh, Glover, uh, Glover Teixeira, who he landed seven takedown skins, uh, Pat Cummins, 12 takedown attempts. So he's outright wrestling high-level grapplers uh, in those guys. But, I mean, there's just this aura about Johnny Walker. And I've lost money on the guy, uh, you know, versus Sarkunov. And I think I'm at the point now where I'm done doubting Johnny Walker. Um, I'm recognizing that this guy is some some weird, inhumane uh, fighter that has been uh, sent to the UFC by Brazil. And I, I just can't pick against the guy again. I think that he's... I mean, we're talking about Anderson, who's a guy who's not had the best fight IQ at times. He's been knocked out a few times before, and he's been knocked out uh, in fights that he was winning convincingly. Rewind to OSP uh, in the same very building two years ago. So might have some flashbacks. We might see uh, Anderson in control, and then that flying knee will land. I just think that 
Walker has the defensive grappling to not get finished, obviously. Anderson's not a big finisher, and he's going to be dangerous all throughout this fight. He's going to have three chances at the beginning of all three rounds to land that knockout blow, and I just, I, I'm just i picking Walker to land the knockout shot. I mean, it's not a lot of uh, t- analysis or tape to back this up. It's kind of an out-on-the-limb pick, but I'm trusting Johnny Walker to get his, uh, I think, fourth knockout in a row here, and I think he probably gets it done in the first round, and uh, let's go with... Uh, a fly, another flying knee from Walker. So uh, I said a lot about it, Ozzy. You're probably frothing at the mouth to get your opinion out. Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, I, I hear what everything you're saying, but Johnny Walker's minus 150 over Corey Anderson. Literally, I, I mean, I think I think this line is insane. It's it's, it's cuckoo crazy. It's uh, it's a amazingly it's amazing how much they're disrespecting Corey anderson with this line um johnny walker you know i went back to look at his uh fight before the contender series he fought a guy named check cone so it's not check congo okay this guy is 17 and 10 from uh a you know tiny country in africa He's lost his last one, two, three, four, five, six fights. And he took Johnny Walker down. This guy's a 185er. This guy's someone who lost to John Phillips. Um, you know, John Phillips, the 185er that's in the UFC that just got his first win, uh, that lost to Jack Marshman, that lost to Charles Bird. Uh, he, you know, he lost he he lost to, to him. And he took down Johnny Walker and held him down for a little bit, you know. Once Corey Anderson grabs, if if Johnny Walker does not knock Corey Anderson out in less than two and a half to three minutes, I just don't see how you know he he's going to win this fight. Corey Anderson trains with a great camp with with Almeida and Mark Henry. They know he's been there forever. They know how Corey Anderson operates. They know how to uh, avoid those big shots. I don't think he's going to come out. And allow Walker to to use those, you know, his flying knees, his head kicks, his elbows. Uh, I think the literally Johnny Walker's most, you know, his best path to victory. I feel is if he kind of defends a shot, they get against the fence, and he elbows Corey Anderson's head in while Corey Anderson is in on a double or a single leg. But there's no way that Corey Anderson's not going to take. Uh, Walker down. Walker, you know, I saw, and I know the New York MMA scene and jujitsu in the training scene. I saw, you know, walk uh, Walker doing running up stairs, you know, doing sprints in the in the hallways of the uh, of the hotel. I mean, I think he's a guy who he's not taking this seriously yet. If you're doing stuff like that, he's training the the people he's finishing his camp with are not. UFC level uh, training partners or, or coaches, um, I I just feel that he he's just not ready for the stage. Corey Walker, uh, Corey Anderson's a top you know lockdown top ten guy in uh, in the UFC light heavyweight division. He's he you know you could say he has bad fight IQ, but I think he he fights within himself pretty often. Uh, the most disappointed I've ever been with him was that uh, OSP fight where he was l- winning it going away. Like I I had. I had like 500 bucks on on him and I was there as well because this was the last time uh, uh, he was in MSG for the Bisping St. Pierre fight and he was dominating in that fight. He was avoiding the big strikes. He was fighting intelligently and then he got flatlined by a kick at the end of the third round. So that could happen here. 
But Corey Anderson at plus 135 here, like, are you are you kidding me? Like, th- this is a guy who always outperforms his expectations. Um, I don't think he he's in a choke here. I think this is something he puts Johnny Walker down, and I really don't see this being any like this. I don't see Johnny Walker getting up. You know, maybe in that first round if he gets down pretty uh, quickly. But otherwise, I think Corey Anderson's able to to ride him uh, from like that turtle position, tire him out, and eventually, you know, get get the finish on him. I, I I legitimately think he can he can finish Johnny Walker here. I put a big bet on Corey Anderson. I'm backing him. I, I understand the hype behind Walker, and you know, sometimes feeling like, look, this guy just he he just knocks people out. He's got the uh, the aura around him, but. I have to go with the guy who I know is tested, I know is proven, and I, I just I can't give up but like such a such a stylistic advantage there with Corey Anderson's uh ground game and thinking that Walker is gonna be able to flatline him before he's able to get that done. So I'm I'm big on the Corey Anderson side. Bet him, tipped it out. Um, I think he gets this done for us, and you'll you'll know you know quickly. I feel if uh, if that fight's gonna go our way, but yeah, I, this is the most intriguing bet wise and just stylistically wise. I think this might be the most interesting fight of the night uh, for me, and <laughs> my night will depend if I'm profitable or not. Will definitely depend on uh, if Corey's able to uh, to get this down and and start pounding Walker out because I just Walker doesn't have the reactions of a UFC level guy in those grappling exchanges. And I think those grappling exchanges are, they're going to happen. I, you know, I really think they're, they are. So Serkinov is not the grinding wrestler that Corey is. Corey gets every person down that he grapples with. He is an elite top five uh, wrestler in, you know, I'm not going to say an MMA, but he's up there in terms of MMA wrestling. And I just don't feel Johnny Walker's ever, ever uh, stood across from that in the UFC or, you know, maybe probably even in training. I don't even think, I don't think, I think Walker's training in Russia with, you know, some Sambo guys and stuff and that's good, but I don't think he's, he's ready for, for Anderson's game here. Yeah. I think, like you said, that's definitely the, the more logical opinion about the fight. I just have a feeling that Anderson's gonna be wait a little too long, and and he's gonna let Walker uh, get a little loose in there. And I agree that Walker, you know, seems like he doesn't take this too seriously. I mean, the dude got injured celebrating from his last fight, but I think that kind of plays in his favor a little bit. I mean, he just goes out there and fights in such an unorthodox manner, and I think he can catch opponents off guard, and he can make the the, the less the more experienced, more seasoned guy. Uh, you know, look like the look like the the weaker fighter in there just because he does some crazy athletic shit. So, um, you know, I'm sure that this like this fight will be decided in the first 90 seconds or so. Uh, whether we see uh, if Anderson gets Walker down, he probably will run away with the fight. Uh, but I think that, um, like I said before, I think that he does land that miracle knockout blow. But we've, we've said enough about this matchup. It's definitely, I think, the most intriguing, uh, fascinating matchup of the card. And uh, that's that's still in the prelim. So we got to keep it rolling through the main card. First fight in the main card is in the lightweight division. We got Kevin Lee, who is 17 and 5, taking on Gregor Gillespie, who is undefeated at 13 and 0. The opening betting line for this one was searching for it here. Fuck. 
Gregor Gillespie as the minus 130 favorite to Kevin Lee as the minus 110 slight underdog. Right now, we are seeing Gillespie minus 155 to Lee at plus 135. So uh, what are your thoughts about the more action coming in on the favorite Gregor Gillespie in this one, Ozzy? And another incredibly fascinating fight. I, I, mean, he, I hear so many differing opinions from guys that I respect. Uh, you know, I, I see some guys who, you know, they're seeing Kevin Lee at that plus 150, plus 155 number, and they're like, man, I can't, you know, in a, in a fight like this, like Kevin Lee, he's, you know, fought amazing competition. You know, yeah, he's come up short, but he's a physical machine. You know, he, he wrestles well. He has great attributes that he utilizes on the feet, right? Nice kicks, a good jab, a good jab a good right hand to follow it and on the ground if you know if he's able to get on top of you as you saw in like that edson barboza fight even against ferguson he's he's a killer on top you know he's good with his ground and pound he passes guard really really well he's one of the best guard passers into back takes that we have in the sport but with a guy like gregor gillespie you know for uh, someone like kevin lee i feel gregor gillespie's like the boogeyman he he's a better wrestler he's you know an amazing gas tank if you if you follow gregor gillespie on instagram you see this guy's going on like 50 mile bike rides or something you know he's going he's doing crazy crazy runs on the treadmill uh where he where he shows you his times it's it's absurd uh the conditioning that this guy has and he shows it it's you know it's he's one of those guys where it translates to the octagon he is non-stop action he's shooting takedowns throwing punches beating you up looking for the for the submissions at all points and i feel like kevin lee's i mean this is a really difficult the, the ufc is doing kevin lee no favors here um you know i in that dos Anjos fight you saw kevin lee start to tire from a guy who who was just non-stop on him and grinding and that's how the fight's going to be against gillespie um i don't see kevin lee having enough power in his hands to keep gillespie back um gillespie moves his head you know a bit he you know he, he has good in and out movement um so i think for for, for lee it's gonna have to be conserving energy early you know, keeping that jab out there and trying to be opportunistic in some of these wrestling scrambles and try and catch a uh, catch Gillespie, but that's going to be a tough task. That's easier said than done. Um, I really, you know, I don't really have a, a, a big opinion on this one side or the other. I said earlier on in the week that if Gillespie got to 150 or under, I think I'd back him. But I'm, you know, I have some hesitations here because uh, I saw, you know, I saw. Uh, Gillespie against that fight against Sydney Outlaw on the regionals. And Outlaw is another like big guy who, you know, he could fight at 170 if he wanted to, but fights at 155. And he was, you know, he he tired Gregor out and he, you know, he got the better of some grappling exchanges. And I feel if Lee gets into some of those positions, it Gregor's gonna have a hard time getting him off his back. But uh, what what do you feel, you know, before we get to maybe a little more in depth or picking a side? What are your thoughts on this? Because I it, like I'm I'm at a crossroads here with uh, between this fight because the value at 150 I feel was on Lee, but now it's it's more of a like you know gambling <laughs> if you will, right? Yeah, I I personally want to bet Gregor as well because I think that 
Kevin Lee's best attribute is his offensive wrestling, and I think that or offensive grappling in general, and that heavily relies on his offensive uh, takedowns. And I just think that that will be neutralized here by Gregor Gillespie, and that's it's going to be hard for Kevin Lee to get in a swing of this fight without his takedowns. I mean, he really relies on them. I think uh, most of his fights that he has won, he scored offensive takedowns in, and in that fight versus RDA, he. he that was at 170. I will give him credit for that, but he just looked very mediocre in that fight. He got taken down in rounds one, two, and three by RDA, and RDA is a terrific grappler, but, I mean, Gillespie's got way better uh, takedowns than him, and he, he gassed out later in that fight. He uh, spent a lot of time in the clinch just searching for takedowns and getting stuffed by RDA. He had no answer for the Kimura trap, uh, the Kimura of RDA whenever he was using it to stuff the takedowns. And he was just unable to get his game going, and he eventually got tapped out in the fourth round. Um, this fight definitely favors uh, Kevin Lee, the fact that it's three rounds, because Kevin Lee's got pretty bad cardio notoriously. I mean, he, he had good cardio in like one of his fights versus Barboza, the full five rounds, but he's... The the weight fluctuation kind of kind of worries me. I mean, he fought in December, five rounds versus uh, Iquinta, a decent fight, but he lost it clearly. And then he goes up to uh, to seventy, then has the, the the hard fight there. And now all of a sudden he's moving right back down to fifty five. I mean, the toll it's got to take on his body to make this uh, weight. I mean, he likely has trouble making the weight again. He could possibly miss weight. We'll find out tomorrow morning. But uh, I think that. I think that this fight heavily favors Gregor Gillespie. It could be a, a tough uh, round one because uh, Kevin Lee is going to be really fresh in round one. He comes out really aggressive. He could possibly reverse a takedown, scramble out of a takedown attempt, and get a back take. I think that's his best shot here is reversing an early takedown of Gillespie and getting uh, a back take where he's probably the most dangerous of anywhere in the fight. And uh, I don't th think that the chances of that are, are happening are high. I think that the chances of actually Lee maybe landing a hard strike on the feet and some crazy uh, brawling exchange between the two is more likely and hurting Gillespie from there. Because one thing about Gillespie is on the feet, he's a bit of a defensive liability. He kind of just throws defense to the wind and trades punches sometimes. This guy's a savage, but he can take a shot. He took some really good shots against Jason Gonzalez and uh, some other fighters throughout the, the period of his UFC career. His hardest fight has actually been against Franca a, a few years back. I mean, Franca tested him, landed some hard shots, stuffed a few of his takedowns, got up from bottom a few times, but Gillespie was over, able to overcome that adversity, find a way to make his wrestling work, get the top position, hold top position, and then dominate Franca for the rest of the fight after uh, a little shaky of a round one. But Gillespie's just gotten way better his past few fights. I mean, he's improving a lot fight to fight. And I really wanted to, to, to lock in that bet on, on Gillespie. It's just the one thing that stopped me was Gillespie's last fight against Yancey Medeiros. And Medeiros is a pretty solid fighter. He trains with a very good camp and has a good jiu-jitsu background. But if Gregor Gillespie was able to – he was attempting to take – uh, Yancey down for the first maybe six seven minutes of that fight and Yancey actually did a pretty good job defending the takedowns I mean he was able to stay on his feet a lot he was able to scramble back to his feet once he was taken down he was able to get out of some bad spots on the ground and eventually uh, uh, Gillespie was able to get him down and get top position and pound him out with ground and pound and eventually forced a corner stoppage after round two but it, it took a lot for Gillespie to get him down and if Yancey Medeiros was able to do that I, I have a feeling that uh, Gillespie could struggle getting top position and implementing his game versus Lee. Uh, so 
I think that eventually it wears down on Lee. Lee might have a good round one. He might start round two well, but that it's just going to wear on him, that constant grinding pace. Gillespie's never going to stop looking for the takedown. I don't think Lee will have any distance, and I think that eventually – Gillespie starts landing those takedowns using his top position, uh, passing guard. I mean, as you mentioned, one of the best guard passers in the sport. I mean, both of these guys are great guard passers. Uh, they both have great finishing ability. And uh, I, I don't think that uh, Gillespie gets the finish. I think he likely loses round one versus Lee and then runs away with rounds two and three, uh, getting his top game going and landing that ground and pound for the 29-28 decision. But, man, what an intriguing matchup. It's going to be a hard one to bet because I think during that first round, it's going to be a little bit of bit of a sweat for Gillespie and we might even get a better price on Gillespie after round one so uh, or we could see Gillespie just come out right away start landing takedowns and look like a, a big favorite in round one it's really uh, a risky fight so uh, wh what's your official prediction for this one Ozzy um I'm man I'm conflicted here I think that uh I think that Lee um, has something to prove he's got a chip on his shoulder but I, I'm, I'm gonna pick Gregor here uh what I think will be evident here in a, in a Gregor victory is that the the transitions that is where Lee is weak at we, Lee has all the talent and all the, the the moves but the interconnection of all those of, of his game is is where he's lacking and where I think it, it, it makes it makes it evident that he's not an elite fighter and you'll see Gregor beat him in these wrestling transitions and it'll show you what an elite fighter looks like in some of these uh, grappling exchanges where I think it is the most evident where you see who's a world-class guy and who's not. Um, I think he sticks Kevin Lee a few times here in this fight. And, you know, I, I think he starts running away with it uh, as the fight goes. So Gregor's going to be my official pick. I'm hoping that, you know, that price keeps going under 150, but I really don't think it'll, it'll get there. Um, you know, and I, I don't think I'll have a bet on this, but I'm very, very interested in, uh, in seeing it play out. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, some sh some heavy action is coming on Lee the past day. T like today, I mean, he was minus 185 uh, yesterday, and now he's uh, minus 155. So you might see him drop under 155 there at some point. And, yeah, you, you mentioned the scrambles. That's what really was going to come down to. We're going to see the difference between a good, maybe even great MMA grappler and uh, an elite level NCAA four-time champion uh, All-American wrestler. It's, it's going to be great. The, the scrambles in this fight are going to be amazing, but uh, wish we could talk about it more. Got to keep the ball rolling. Not too much analysis in the next this next fight, hopefully. Uh, in the heavyweight division, we got Derek Lewis, who is 21-7, taking on Blagoy Ivanov, who is 18-2. The opening betting line for this one was Ivanov, the underdog actually a minus or plus 130 lewis the minus 170 favorite the line has since flipped we're now seeing Ivanov 115 to lewis minus 105 so uh man this fight is actually a, pretty much a pick em now for the past few days I guess I'll start things off in this one. And I just think that, that Lewis is a really overrated fighter. I mean, he's, he's mostly notorious for losing fights and then coming back and landing a knockout blow. And, of course, he's always the threat for that. I mean, the dude is incredibly tough. He's durable, and he, he hits extremely hard and can always uh, be that knockout threat. But his last fight versus Do Junior Dos Santos, he was able to land a few good punches, but he got hurt to the body real bad in that one. He got rocked with some punches. He got finished in the second round. He just didn't look in good shape. And I'm tired of hearing rumors about Lewis's back and how Lewis's uh, rehab is going. I mean, the guy has notorious back problems. He has apparently he had a knee problem the past few years. I mean, there's the, the medical excuses go on and on about Lewis. I just don't think he's that good of a fighter. He doesn't have very much uh, technique to his game. 
and I mean, he, he has heavy hands, as I mentioned, and he's got some sneaky fast head kicks. I'll give that to him. But on the other side, we got Ivanov, who is a, a low output, very technical boxer. But I think that he's going to lull Lewis into a, a low output boxing fight, which is where Ivanov uh, specializes. And he's going to beat him, uh, beat Ivanov uh, in the way that he always does. He's going to outbox him. He's going to land the better strikes. Uh, it's going to be a boring fight, in my opinion. It's going to be like Ivanov landing 50 strikes to Lewis's 25 or something like that. But I think the rounds will be fairly clear, like uh, Ty Tuivasa. I mean, we saw Tuivasa get overvalued in that fight, and Ivanov put on a clinic. He looked like a minus 200 favorite out there. Ivanov's just got the experience. He's got the cardio, the technique. I think he keeps the fight standing, avoids the knockout blow of Lewis, and uh, outboxes him on the way to a 30-27 decision. Uh, what are you thinking about this one, Ozzy? Um, so, I mean, I agree. I'm, I'm even always going to be my pick here. Um, it, it's just such a, a hilarious. I mean, Derek Lewis is in the, just the funniest fights. Uh, so you never know what's going to transpire in them. But yeah, I would think that even just, you know, stays busier, more busy, um, outlands him on the feet and, you know, mixes it up. Uh, even off goes good to the, goes, uh, to the body. Well, um, he, you know, he combos his attacks. Derek Lewis is, you know, I, I'll give Lewis credit. I did see a picture of him or a video of him in like the face-offs and he's looking, he's looking more trim. So I, I, I am curious to see the weigh-ins tomorrow to see if, you know, he comes in at under 265 pounds, uh, like significantly under maybe like 255, 260. But I mean, at, at a, at a pick him price that you have to you have to side with Ivanov uh in this fight he you know he's only lost to uh Junior Dos Santos in his UFC debut and he just has a more depth of skill on the feet you know I I, I feel that Lewis can always land that kill shot but in a fight like this I have to side with Ivanov maybe if you want to back Lewis you back him maybe Lewis in the first round, which is plus 400, which is, you know, I, I think a, a decent price. But, you know, if you're going to bet the money line or touch it, I'm not, I'm personally not touching it. Heavyweights, it, especially at these odds, it's just like tossing the coin up in the air. But Ivanov is, is for sure going to be my pick. But I, I don't have too much technical analysis here. I feel that uh, Ivanov just works his way inside and just starts throwing at Lewis. And Lewis gets a little timid when he, when he, when he starts throwing a lot of shots at him. He starts like shying away, turning away, running away. And I think it, it, that could happen often. And like you said, it could turn into a real boring fight. Yeah, I have not made a bet on Ivanov, even though I did sound pretty confident in him. There's just a lot of variability, and I've been burnt before on Lewis. I mean, versus uh, Volkov, he was winning 14 minutes and 30 seconds of that fight before he gets uh, knocked out. So uh, it, it, brutal memories about that one. Might not want to even have the, the possibility of revisiting that, but um, the, the pick is Ivanov. But we're going to move on to uh, some better fights, and we got – in the welterweight division, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who is 14-4-1, taking on Vincente Luque, who is 17-6-1. This fight opened up Thompson as the minus-135 favor to Luque, minus-105. Right now, we are seeing Luque is actually the slight favorite at minus-115 to Thompson at minus-105. So I think this is the first time that Luque has been the favorite over Thompson, as far as I know. Uh, but that's a very interesting line. I'm curious as to what your thoughts on there, uh, this one is. I'll let you start this one off first. 
Yeah, sorry, I, I thought I lost. I think I lost you for a second. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, Wonder Boy Luke. Um, I can't believe that Wonder Boy is almost even money here. Um, I bet uh, Thompson at minus uh, one twenty one. I think earlier in the week on Bet Online, and I just I see this as a fight where it's a stylistic matchup where I think. I don't. I don't see Luke really able to to get his offense going too much. Um, Thompson is is a fighter where, you know, you really need to be, you know, have have quick feet. You need to be able to be someone who, you know, I and Luke does check off a lot of boxes. He's good with with his kicks. He throws good leg kicks. Um, he has like a, a good hooks, right? He he has a patent that uh, patent left hook uh, that he throws on the counter. But I feel that there's such a big speed advantage for Wonder Boy here that uh, Luke is a little too linear in his attacks. He's really going to have to chop away at, at uh, Wonder Boy's legs for uh, for him to be effective here. I feel, and I think Wonder Boy is still he he's he's still there. He he still has the the skills to implement the style that he did earlier in his career that got him all those UFC wins. So um, I'm, I'm definitely on the Wonder Boy side. I think he's able to, to string together a lot of those straight punch combos on Luke. Um, Luke is a guy who just puts his hands up. You know, he has like a high, a high guard, um, which I think leaves him susceptible to those spinning kicks. And I've been on the uh, receiving end on uh, quite a few spinning kicks. Uh, shout out to Leo, Leo Muniz, Leo, the executioner Muniz. Um, I'm, I've been on a receiving end in a lot of them, and I know that you start shelling up and like looking down a little bit, and that's when that spinning hook kick comes to your head. That's when that spinning back kick hits you in the body, and uh, and you can get really hurt by those uh, in those positions. So I think Wonder Boy overwhelms them a lot with those shots, and eventually finds uh, some big some big punches and uh, and kicks uh, on the counter or when Luke is being real passive. Uh, how do you feel about this fight? Though I, I have to think that you're you're uh, liking the Wonder Boy side, especially at a uh, you know almost even money. Yeah, I mean, shocking line considering that Luke, I believe, lost his last fight to Mike Perry. Well, it was an incredible fight. It was a really close fight. I mean, I think that rounds one and two were like 55, 45 rounds in favor of Perry. I mean, he won them by a slim margin, but he won the rounds. He landed the more cleaner, harder shots, and I thought that Perry won that fight two rounds to one. So considering that, uh, and then we got Thompson coming off of a knockout loss where he was looking uh, fabulous for the first eight or nine minutes versus Pettis, and then Pettis ended up landing that huge uh, right-hand knockout blow. So uh, I think that that's why we're seeing the line closer because right, Luke right. snuck right. that line, snuck that win by, and then Thompson uh, had that win kind of taken away by Pettis. So uh, I think that I agree with uh, you said you said about Thompson is he's still very, uh, very uh, competent as a fighter. He's still very skilled. His speed is there. His his eyes are there. He still sees everything. He's got great awareness, fight IQ. He always has great. He always had great takedown defense and ability to avoid the grappling. So I don't think that this fight will end up on the floor. Although Luke should have a, a grappling advantage, possibly. I mean, he's got a few nice submissions on his record, but I don't see this fight hitting the floor. It's going to be on the feet, and that's where Thompson shines. And I don't think that Luke will have an answer to get past the range of Thompson, the straight punches, the 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 side kicks, the you know some of the best uh, karate and the best striking that the UFC's ever seen in Thompson. And uh, I mean, this guy really is a, a, a treasure, a hidden treasure. And I think that he's going to be, uh, you know, 
that's going to be clear after he cashes in this fight. He's probably going to win 30-27. He's going to be super cautious, uh, staying on the outside, uh, using his range, and probably winning the rounds. And what I even before he got knocked out versus Pettis, what I liked from him in that fight is he was throwing a lot more straight punches than usual. He had really good and just volume in general he was throwing a lot more kicks he had a little more urgency a little more aggression than usual and he was like uh lighting pettis up with straight punches so i think he does the same thing here i mean luke was struggling with the straight punches of mike perry and he was uh struggling with the the kicks of, of perry as well so i think that this fight is just a really great matchup for wonder boy i also bet him i think at minus 122 uh, on bet dsi or something like that and now he's down to minus 105, so this is a situation where we might have to make it a, a two- to three-unit play on Wonderboy. I think it's very deserving of it. And uh, barring any you know crazy fluke knockout like the Pettis one, I mean, uh, it was a great comeback victory from Pettis, but uh, he was a, like a five- to six-to-one underdog at that time. So that's basically the definition of a fluke knockout, although uh, how beautiful of a punch it was. Um, so I think that barring any incident like that, uh, I don't think it happens two times in a row to Wonderboy. I think he stays safe, gets the decision victory in this one. Yeah, um, you know, same. I think so. We both bet it right around that same price at minus one hundred five. You're getting an extra three percent uh, of line value there, and you know, just like you said, if. Pettis had not landed that shot, which it was, you know, Anthony Pettis finds those punches more than anyone else in the sport. But if he doesn't land that punch, he loses that fight convincingly. You know, he might get 50-45, 50-44. And we see Wonderboy here at over a two to one favorite, I feel, over Luke. And Luke didn't, I don't think he looked very he looked he he was offensively dynamic in that fight against Perry. And, you know, he really pulled out all the tricks in his bag, but the, the tricks in your bag, it does not matter against wonder boy. Wonder boy's seen it all. He's fought everyone. And he's, he's a guy that you need to be a guy where you're implementing new techniques. Like you're, you're learning, you're, you're, you're putting into effect things that you worked in camp. And I feel like Luke, he's a meat and potatoes guy. He shows up, this is what he, he reminds me of Glover Teixeira, uh, but, you know, the modern version of Glover Teixeira, the much more athletic, you know, throws more kicks and stuff. But he shows up, you know what he's going to do, you know his skill set, um, and he's going to show up for the fight, and he's going to throw everything at the kitchen sink at you. And if you can withstand, great. If you can't, then, you know, you're probably going down or you're going to get you're getting put on a highlight reel at some point with with something that he lands on you with. But I don't see him adjusting very well. Wonderboy is the most orthodox guy anybody would ever fight. And, you know, I, I just feel there's a lot of value on him at uh, at this line here. So I'm def I've already bet him. I'm going to bet him again now that that line's at minus 105. And I think he he makes it he, he might have a scary moment or two, but I think he for sure, for sure wins this. Uh, I'd cap him closer like to that two to one number uh that i mentioned earlier all right so with that being said we're going to move on to the co-main event of the evening in this fight we got in the middleweight division kelvin gaslam who is 16 and 4 taking on darren till who is 17 2 and 1 the opening betting line for this one was gaslam the favorite at minus 155 to till as the slight underdog at plus 115 right now we are seeing some heavy action coming on kelvin gastelum he's now minus 260 to till at plus 220 and a lot of this action is actually coming in the past day he was minus 
200 uh, yesterday around this time. Uh, actually, minus 190 is uh, uh, around last night. All the way down to minus 260 now. Not sure what that's all about. I mean, I think it, it could be the speculation that Darren Till got a late uh, start coming over to the fight for this one. And that's definitely a worry. I mean, the dude was on the plane today. They they weigh in tomorrow morning. So he was probably getting his weight cut started uh, while he was in um, the UK. And But, that, I mean, that flight, it's got to drain you. I mean, jet lag is real. Uh, it's flying over uh, from con- uh, from a different continent and then fighting two days later. That's fucked up. So I, I don't know. I guess that's why the, the action has come in on gasoline these past few days. It seems like a bit of a narrative factor for me. I think we should just focus on the matchup in this one. And I think the matchup just favors Kelvin Gastelum in. But but not at minus two sixty. First of all, I think that that's a little too steep. And the the one thing we should point out: this is Darren Till's debut at uh, middleweight. He's moving up fifteen pounds after t- facing two consecutive losses. In my opinion, three consecutive losses. I th- I had uh, Wonder Boy Thompson win in that fight versus Darren Till, and then Till got dropped and subbed by. Uh, Woodley, and then he got knocked out cold by Masvidal last fight. So basically three losses in a row for Till, and nothing's really going right for him. He's looking for a a, a solution. And I don't like when guys move weight classes after they uh, suffered a knockout loss. And the three most recent examples that all happened this year were James Vick, Chris Weidman, and Luke Rockle. Now these guys um, were a little at the more end of their career. They both had uh, some more knockout losses, and I think Till does still have more upside than all three of them, but those three guys, I think that they had a similar trait is they all got knocked out. They all blamed it on the weight cut. They never fixed their defensive issues, and then they moved up in weight class expecting the the extra weight to solve all their problems, and then they still get knocked out. So I think that's a very good possibility of what happens here because Gaslam, he's going to have the power advantage, I believe, in this one because Till hits hard for 70s, but uh, I think Gaslam is much more uh, suited for this weight class. I mean, it sounds kind of silly because he's going to be the smaller guy in there uh, size-wise, but, I mean, I think Gaslam is just a little more compact. And, I mean, both of these guys should fight at welterweight. They just both really don't like cutting weight too much, and they fight at at middleweight either way. So, uh, Gaslam is coming off that war versus Israel Adesanya. It might have been a, a, a career-changing war. I mean, he took an insane amount of damage in that fifth round. It could have been a 10-7 round, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from that. But then on the other side, you got Darren Till, who got knocked out by a left hook. He got hit with a fo- two follow-up shots on the ground, and his head bounced off the canvas in front of it. 20,000 people in his hometown. So, I mean, his confidence has got to be shattered coming off of those knockouts. I mean, he just took the most damage anybody could possibly take in a knockout uh, versus that Masvidal fight. So, uh, I don't see much upside to Darren Till right now. I mean, the weight class, it's a big uh, if factor. This uh, this thing about him coming to New York late, it's a big uh, question mark. And just the matchup in general, I think the Gaslam is the better boxer. I think that if Darren Till wants to win this fight, he's going to have to stick behind that jab. He has the most success when he's pressuring you, when he's throwing a lot of jabs to set up his, his uh, left hand. And if he jabs uh, Gaslam a lot, he uses that reach and size advantage. He should outbox Gaslam. Keep this fight at range, avoid the power punches of Gaslam, and win the decision. But if he has the same defensive problems that he did, like leaving his chin way up in the air, like he did versus Masvidal, I mean, he was getting counterpunched with some hard shots versus Masvidal before the knockout that led up to the knockout. So 
I just see Kelvin Gastelum finding a home for his punches. Uh, I don't think that there's any value left on the Gastelum at minus 260, but around minus 200, I think that there was value. I, I would cap him at, at around minus 200 for this fight. So I'm liking Gastelum. I think he gets the knockout in this one, although I wouldn't completely rely on it. I think we could just see him out volume uh, till to a decision. But uh, curious to see here what your thoughts on this one, Ozzy. Uh, what are you thinking about this one? So an another fight I love on this card because you know it's just just a great you know it's just a fun a super fun matchup that I, I I honestly didn't see coming. Um, so in this fight, you know the well, changing weight. I have a lot of thoughts on this fight. Changing weight class is all the rage, right? You, you mentioned a few of those. Uh, you referenced a few of those uh, guys who change weight classes didn't work out for them. Now the only difference I feel here where. You know, it's 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 notable is those guys fought real um, guys in that new weight class, right? Ne uh, James Vick fought Nico Price, uh, Weidman fought Reyes, and Rocco Blahovich. Um, Till's not fighting a legit middleweight. Kelvin Gaslam is long. You know, he's had the most success at middleweight for sure, but he's not a you know full blown middleweight where he has the power of a middleweight. Um, that's first of all. But the reason I don't love this style matchup is because I like Till moving up to middleweight because I thought at welterweight, his biggest issue was the speed of, that other guys had on him. Uh, Woodley, I noticed when he fought Woodley, I mentioned, I was like, well, you know, Till looks like he's moving in slow motion out there. Like he can't hit Woodley. And, you know, that's a fight where he literally did not land a strike on Woodley or maybe landed one and uh you know he just got smoked and he was just too slow in that fight and the same thing reared its head uh against Wonder Boy where he had to make it a really slow paced fight to be in it because Wonder Boy is just so fast and he couldn't uh, get to his offense and then against Mons Vidal kind of the same thing happened you know again now Mons Vidal you know snuck up on him and obviously he used a lot of his tactical boxing advantages but he also snuck up on until there and I feel like Gaston has that same skill set he's going to be able to get inside and land power on big power shots until now that being said at the the price that this is at um you know till got steam or Gaston got steamed there is hundred percent you know made value there on till and at plus 220 you know tills tills aside um i think you know gaslam is really open to a lot of shots he's very accepting of getting hit because he knows he has such a good chin but if you look at his fight against shakare he he leaves his hands down uh you know very often he doesn't you know doesn't really move his head off the center line and jackery you know finds his head every time when he throws a shot and you know it's it's on the back foot you know when he's throwing shots in return and it's on the front foot when he's you know admiring his work sometimes and he really throws himself out there when he when he lands some of his shots like his left cross or his left overhand he really like throws his sh whole shoulder into it similar to what, what uh, Whitaker does uh, at that weight and I think that Till is really good he's got that Muay Thai uh, background where he's really good at fading back on shots and really like bobbing away and coming back really hard um in return so i think that till is is dangerous here i think he he's going to be able to to land on gaslam and it's going to come down to can gaslam eat those shots tire till out and take him into deep water and maybe you know mix in some takedowns or is still going to you know be the guy to stop gaslam and gaslam has an iron chin but i back till at plus 180 
uh, for two units. And I think I, I have to add here at plus 220. So uh, th that, that's what I think about that. I know that was a, a mouth salad, but, uh, you know, I, I've really thought about this fight a lot. So what, what do you think about a few of those, uh, a few of those points? Yeah, I'd say you definitely got to add well, at least one more unit to the plus 220. I think that that line comes down. I mean, you just got to really worry about the weight tomorrow. I mean, if the dude comes in overweight to 185, I mean, you're going to know that there's a real issue. So yeah. it kind of depends on that. I mean, if you already put in two at, at plus 180, I mean, it might be a little risky throwing two more at plus 220 because then – if he misses weight or something, he might go up to two plus two forty tomorrow. So who who really knows? But yeah, I agree that the value side is till now. Go ahead. Other thing too, I I got some in, inside information on you know what what it took to take till up there, and it was it was a big bet, but it was from one guy uh, apparently who who really liked till. I mean, excuse me, really liked Gaslam and you know steamed it up. So. Um, I think I'm I'm on the other side though. I think there there's value on Till here. I and I'm I'm I think I I'm gonna pick him here because I think that he's going to be able to to really land on Gaslam and and Gaslam is gonna be overzealous in his attack and there's some similarities between Till and Adesanya a little bit you know with a little bit of the movement lefty stance um, you know. As much as Kelvin's a you know great great stand-up fighter, he hasn't fought a lot of uh, southpaws. So how you know what's the dynamic there with uh, Gaslam trying to land a left hand that is always available to him when he's fighting a guy in an orthodox stance? But now that he's fighting a fellow southpaw, how how does that look? Um, how does he land that? So I think I think Till's going to be able to to work his game here. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I don't know about the whole one one person pushing them all the way down. I mean, it's entirely possible, but I see a minus, what, 210 to 260 drop. I mean, that's insane. I mean, uh, it would have to be I, – I, I remember seeing something saying, like, that someone heard that Glover was hurt uh, and all these people were betting on this Russian sports book on Krylov, and then Glover looked great and they all lost. So who, who, who really knows? But I, 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 won't, I won't question your, your, your inside information too much. I always like when people uh, have some sort of tip like that. But uh, moving on to the main event, we'll probably ramble on about this for a while, so we got to get this going. Uh, for, the, for the bad motherfucker title, so real, real quick – what do you think about the bad motherfucker title? Uh, I mean, the BMF title. I mean, it's it's definitely a publicity stunt. I don't I don't love it. I feel like you know, but I'm a hardcore fan, so I'm watching these fights no matter what. I guess you know, some people need. Hey, this is a title. I just like the love seeing these two dudes fight. I don't really need them to fight for a title. If you can make all these fights uh like five rounds like all these top 10 fights or so i'd be down for that um so i mean it's a cute thing i i hope that it doesn't continue on i hope this is the last of it after they get, give this belt away they put it in a casket literally um and you know we never hear of it again and we don't get another one of these but you know i i go with it I, I'm, I'm in support because it, it's just getting more people interested in it and people love it and you know it it does make sense it's 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 fun that's what I have to say about it. It's fun. Yeah, I agree. It's all it's all good fun. I mean, if, if any excuse to make more fights five rounds, I mean, I I was saying this on my Twitter uh, last week is we need co-main events to be five rounds. I mean, we have forty main events a year, but you have all these titles. You have all these titles, and you need title challengers, and you need to build these fighters up. We need more five round experience, and they 
I mean, they have this paranoia of headlining cards without a title. And I don't think that was completely the case here. I don't think they made it just for that reason. They also made it because the interview and whatnot. And I agree that I hope this doesn't stick around. I doubt it will, though. I mean, both these guys, um, you know, they're very prideful fighters. They don't care about some some play belt. They, I mean, it's cool that they're doing it. It's fun, like you said. But they're not going to go around praising that they have this fake title or anything like that. But, um, well... That that is that is a little fun thing that we'll get to have here. But with, with the real quick intro to the fight, we got Jorge Masvidal who is thirty four and thirteen, taking on Nate Diaz who is twenty and eleven in the welterweight division for the bad motherfucker title. And the opening betting line for this one was Masvidal minus one sixty two. Oh no, excuse me, Masvidal minus. 110 to Nate Diaz minus 110. Is that real? Uh, right now we're seeing Masvidal minus 165 to Diaz plus 145. So I don't know how accurate that opening line was. That's what it says on it, it, five times says Masvidal opened minus 190. So who knows where that book came from? Um, I think that might be the more accurate one. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't know where minus 110 came from. Uh, so you, you start things off in this one. I started with the co-main event. You start with this one. Uh, you sure, give us sure. Yeah, so I mean, um, you know, fight between two dogs, just two guys who absolutely get in your face, you know, great, great stand, you know, active stand up, you know, I, I think Miles Vidal, we're really seeing him come into his own here. Um, you know, he's moving up to 170, feeling really good um, and performing in a way that I always, you know, saw when he fought Asker and I knew I'm like, I'm definitely betting Vasadol in that situation because this guy's just a killer. He, he, he doesn't stop fighting. He, he's a, he's a guy contrary to Kevin Lee. He has all those intangibles or, you know, the inner workings of those positions and every position he pays attention to the details. And that's what makes him great because he's not overly a great jujitsu fighter, but he knows, you know, the important things and he, he sticks to them and, and it's what allows him to get in positions to finish fights. Um, you know, in this fight against Nate, I think he, you know, he's the better stand up fighter. Um, you know, I think Nate needs to get him into a fight where there's a lot of um, transitional, uh, you know, portions of it where Nate can maybe, you know, gain ground in certain uh, ways where maybe he can get onto a, a front headlock, drag Masvidal to the ground, take, you know, go to take his back and then end up on top in some manner. Um, I don't see how Diaz is going to have enough power to really you know, shake Masvidal and keep Masvidal off of him. And I think Masvidal is going to, you know, as the fight goes on, you know, further, further uh, take the lead in, you know, just the amount of strikes that he's actually landing that are significant. And I think at the end of the day, that's what's going to win him the fight. And, you know, I, my, my pick would be Masvidal, hoping that, you know, maybe we could get some late money on, on Nate so I can jump on Masvidal for some action. Not going to be a big bet, but my my, my uh, pick is definitely going to be Masvidal. What, uh, what, what are your feelings, though, uh, if, uh, between these two guys? Wow, that was quick. I mean... We, I feel like we've been rambling on about some of these fights. And this one, I think this is the hardest one to predict of all of them because uh, it's just a tough matchup. I mean, I really yeah. didn't have a good feel on this one until I really started doing tape today. I was hoping that no one was going to ask me about it because I started at the bottom of the cards. I learned who's going to win from the fight. I mean, I don't think about the main event until a few days before. So uh, I really was just figuring this one out today. And my, my early lean was Masvidal uh, is, I'd say, 
I guess I would say the bigger guy at this weight class. I think he has the, definitely more power behind his strikes. And I think that he is definitely the more technical striker of the two uh, overall. I mean, he's got the better kicking game for sure. And his boxing technique is a lot more traditional and a lot more powerful uh, than than Diaz's. Diaz's is, you know, kind of sloppy but effective. I mean, if you showed a boxer Diaz's uh, boxing, I don't think that they would be they'd be they'd be kind of grossed out. I mean, he doesn't do things very technically, but it, it works in MMA. It's it's really great for MMA. I mean, he's he uses it in the clinch a lot, that dirty boxing style. And meanwhile, Masvidal likes likes striking you uh, from uh, from distance he's got such accurate punches i mean this guy's one of the most accurate boxers in the ufc uh overall maybe even in history i mean the the way he was able to pinpoint those shots on on uh till not too long ago it was just masterful it was a great come from behind victory he got knocked down earlier in that fight uh found the range versus till started to find his shots at the end of round one Started really finding this range around two, landed meaningful shots, and then knocking Till out in round uh, round two. Obviously, he had the, the five second knockout versus Askren. It was a great career moment. It was what catapulted this moment, but not too much in terms of analysis. Um, now let's talk about how Diaz has looked lately, and I think that he's well. He's only had one fight in three years versus Pettis, and it was it was a bit of a sloppy performance at first. I mean, the same thing. It it, it took him. A few minutes to get into the swing of the fight it literally looked like he was shaking off the cobwebs i mean he was shaking out his arms he was getting hit a little bit he had to get back into the swing of things and then but by the end of the round i mean he was taking uh pettis down he caught a kick got a single leg past guard took his back and he was right back into it at the end of the round he won the round he won all three rounds convincingly he dominated in the clinch he had good knees and elbows from the clinch his his Great cardio and pace, like always, and he he was hurting Pettis bad with knees in the third round and almost got the finish. So it was a really good performance, a bit sloppy. I mean, Masvidal definitely looked a lot more polished in his win over Till, and uh, he has the, uh, the the win over a Cowboy Ellenberger. Those wins look great. He had really close fights, uh, competitive fights, and not so competitive, but he he hung in there versus uh, Thompson and Maya. And uh, excuse me if, if you hear the sirens in the background, the crazy short streets in North Philadelphia popping off. Uh, but uh, Masvidal definitely looks better of the two. And so getting down to how I think the fight's going to play out, I think in the early rounds, Masvidal will have the success landing counter punches and landing uh, kicks especially. I think he's going to target those oblique kicks, and he's going to be throwing that right, right body kick from the, the orthodox stance. Nate Diaz is the southpaw. Uh, Masvidal can fight from both stances, and I think he's going to choose that orthodox uh, stance and be blasting kicks of, of uh, on Diaz, because we everybody knows Diaz struggles with kicks. Everyone thought that P Pettis was going to kick a lot more than he did. He just didn't have the space to because Pettis was crowding him. He was get or Diaz was crowding him. He was getting inside of the clinch. He was wearing him down, and he was beating him that way. So I think that. Masvidal will have a little more success at range. He will probably win rounds one, possibly rounds two as well. But, man, the more I think about it, I think Diaz will find a way to adapt. He will find a way to make his cardio advantage work in favor of him. He will find a way to get that clinch going to start wearing down on Masvidal. And I think that in the later rounds, we start to see Nate Diaz start to take over. I think we might see Nate Diaz win rounds three, four, and five, or maybe uh, Diaz wins rounds two and three. Masvidal comes back for four, and then it's two-two heading into the fifth, and then Diaz steals the fifth. I mean, realistically, Masvidal could win the scorecards as well, but if the fight goes to, to the decision, I favor the guy with the better cardio. 
the guy who has gone the five rounds a little more recently. I mean, it's not the, the best comparison. I mean, he, uh, Mazadal has been scheduled for five rounds uh, recently, but has not gone the full five. The last time he did was versus Benson Henderson all the way back in 2015. And I mean, Diaz went with, with Connor in 2016, so not much better. But uh, I think Diaz will w- win the later rounds. He will have more success. And the other possible outcome is is Masvidal maybe landing some hard shots early and landing a, a, t- a knockout or TKO. I mean, we really could see a power difference from Masvidal in this one. I think he will be landing the counter punches. Diaz was a little hittable versus uh, D- uh, Pettis. I mean, he's always been a little uh, defensive, uh, lackadaisical in his defense. So I think that he will be there to, there to be hit. And he could possibly get rocked for some, from some shots from Masvidal. But I think it's more likely these two have a back and forth bloody war. It's not going to look, it's going to be hard for Diaz to win. Uh, rounds in the scorecards with his face all cut up and bloody like he always does. But I think he finds a way to do it. I think uh, the official pick is going to be Diaz to pull off the 48-47 upset. And I really did not think this was going to happen until maybe a few hours ago. I mean, I just made this choice. I might flip-flop in the next couple of days if I watch a few more fights. But the pick as of now is Diaz to get the 48-47 decision. I don't think you mentioned an, an official prediction, uh, uh, Ozzy. You're on Masvidal, but who or how you got it, get it getting it done. And you made a really convincing case to to go with Diaz there because, I mean, you know, I I think I could see Diaz like just rallying in the end. But I'm going to go with the Masvidal pick. I I think Masvidal, um, I I keep predicting. You know what I'm really bad at? I'm always bad at predicting how a guy wins. I'm bad at really bad at props. But, you know, and I said a lot of times that guys will finish uh, during this podcast. But I think, you know, Masvidal is going to hurt. Nate, uh, quite a few times, and you know, I, I'll just flat out pick a finish in the end of the third round. Finish for Masvidal. Nice, yeah. I mean, I think the the knockout it could be there. I mean, we could with his counter punching ability and the way Nate kind of gets goes into the pocket recklessly, we could see like a a, a one punch knockout possibly. And from, Nate like ducks his head, try to get tries. To yeah, get I mean, up. he doesn't make it. Yeah, he he makes it a little easy to be hit at sometimes. And I mean, he notoriously he's got a pretty iron chin, uh, only been knocked out once, but he got dropped a few times versus Connor and. He was there to be hit, and I think he will be there to be hit in this one. And he's really going to have to rely on his toughness and his grit like he always does to grind this fight out against the cage and in the later rounds. It's going to be a tough fight, and uh, realistically, either either guy could pull it off. And uh, I'm really glad it's happening. A uh, really great fight. Yeah, um, same same here. I, I, I'm – you know, two guys that I, I'm glad that they matched up together. Um, you know, I, I would have been pretty bummed to watch like Masvidal just fight uh, Usman instead of Diaz. So I'm glad that they made the fight. Uh, they did the right thing there. Yeah. So um, from top to bottom, uh, I think uh, I'll just run through my bets real quick. So far, I got two units, rain counter plus 108. We got two units, Arlovsky plus 130. And we also have. One unit on, or actually two units, Gaslam, or two units, excuse me, uh, Thompson, minus 122. And I believe that is all for now. We are uh, mentioned uh, eyeing up uh, Gregor Gillespie, maybe adding more to Thompson. And uh, no bet on the main event for me, passing on Ivanov for now, and uh, maybe even adding to Tavares later. But uh, you want to give a summary of your bets real quick? 
Or wait, uh, yeah. the ones that you meant, one ones that you can mention, because you, you... yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll just mention them all too. So I'm, I, I don't have the amount of units I bet on each of them. So I'll go. So I'm betting uh, good. I definitely bet good at minus one twenty five. Um, I'm gonna be down on Arlovsky for one and a half, maybe two units. Um, at plus one thirty five, Burgos, I have three point four units for sure at a uh, minus one seventy. Anderson. <laughs> Anderson's a big bet. I'm not going to tell you how much, but uh, it's it's a, that's a max bet. Um, at at those odds, uh, I've got Wonder Boy. Some at minus 121, and uh, I'm going to take another bite at plus, uh, minus 105, and then I have some till at plus 180, and we'll be adding a little bit at up that plus 220 number. N- nothing for the main event there, um, and I am I think I've mostly sticking on the straight bet uh that's what i typically do i don't really partake too much in the props um but yeah those are those are going to be my bets there um for for the event so i think we're on the same side for quite a few of those yeah yeah good to disagree on a few just to get some discussion going but for the most part we're we are in sync but uh yeah just want to thank you real quick for coming on the podcast my man you're going to be attending this card live you picked a great one to go to live i hope the card delivers top to bottom on paper you should be in for a great night i mean i think you could see some of the prelim fights even be uh crazy back and forth entertaining fights just like the main card fights they'll have a little more stakes behind them on the pay-per-view portion but uh i hope you enjoy the card hope it stays intact and uh thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, just give you know, a quick outro shout yourself out a few more times and then we'll uh, wrap this up all right yeah thanks for having me uh of course as always uh definitely pumped uh for this weekend gonna be uh gonna be a wild one we got we got some nice festivities uh going on after as well um so you know looking forward to a you know awesome night of fights first of all um and yeah just you know, follow me on Twitter. Best way I'm um, trying to expand out, uh, you know, the people I'm on, I'm on there with. So it's Ozzy underscore MMA. So at Ozzy underscore MMA. And, uh, you know, shoot me a DM, anything. If you ever want to talk fights, always uh, always down to do so. So let's uh, make some money this weekend. Yep, thanks again for coming on. That has been Ozzy P. This has been episode 82. Hope everybody enjoys the card, and I will see you all next week. Peace.